podcast because I always say some shit that I regret later. I do too, and that's I why I don't today. drink on it anymore, man. I feel much more confident <laughs> in my abilities. But yo, yes, yes, yes. Greetings, beautiful people of the world. Welcome back to the Mega Late Show. I am Mega, and as always, I'm here with my main guy. Yo, what's happening? This is Late. That's right. Late's been busy lately, DJing, so make sure y'all pay attention to that. But the Mega Late Show is back, and we are the number one hip-hop and dope culture podcast in Tokyo. Every Friday, we are bringing you uh, a tremendous amount of information, and usually we're rocking with new artists, art, creatives, people of all sorts, goons, superhumans, alpha primates, like alpha primitives, all of this, inhumans, right, Late? Like a lot of people, right? Uh, I like mutants better than inhumans. mutants. I feel like that's a inhumans derogatory term. Uh, inhumans, or well, the inhumans are, are from the moon, right? You know what nah, I mean. Nah, but yeah, but mutants are, mutants are what mutants are what um, the the regular humans, the Homo sapiens, called them, and then right, inhumans are a creation from the Terrigen mist. That's see, right. Welcome see, mutants back to the are, are natural. That's why I rock with my natural, all natural well, mutants. Well, no, they, the know, mutants took the word mutant from the from the oppressors and used it like nigga. So they was just like, yo. Yeah, yeah that's our yeah, word. Yeah, we, up, we mutants. What up, mutie? Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't <laughs> whoa, be saying that. You can't, say, whoa, that, right? you can't say that no more. You're saying right? I'm not. <laughs> right. Oh, there we go. <laughs> now he's a product of an experiment. And that's right. So every Friday, we've got a bunch of dope people on there. And this week, we have, oh, episode number 39. Hey. hey, episode 39. This week we have a very special guest and friend of the show, a person that I've known for a while through our guy D. Dallinger. And Dallinger is also on the third mic today. Shout out to Dallinger. If you want to say hello, Dallinger, do it now. Hello. That's right. You know how he does. Very sparse with the language. But today we have a poet, MC, professor, translator, writer, friend of the show. We have Jordan Apes Smith. Yoroshiku. Do I have an applause drop? I don't know if I got an applause drop. Yay. Bring that applause. Applause from the mutants. That's right. And and if you heard me, if you've been paying attention, which I hope you were, we are going to be talking about some poetry, what Jordan does out here. He's very much involved in the poetry scene out here, working for like, uh, working with like Tokyo Poetry Journal. And can you tell us a little bit about some of the poetry outlets that you're working with right now? Yeah. Um, I'm one of the editors of Tokyo Poetry Journal. It's a journal published in English, but here in Tokyo, we do a lot of stuff with translating um, Japanese poets of the moment into English, and then also working with a lot of foreign poets who either live in Tokyo or who come through town. And um, a lot of in the in the world of poetry, at least in, in Japanese poetry abroad, like in English and other languages, nobody gets translated until they're like 65, 70 years old. Oh. And um, so the world that I feel like I'm living when I go to poetry events, there's a big blurring between like the world of poetry and MCs. And a lot of MCs will come to poetry events and and vice versa. But um, for what I was seeing you know, around Tokyo was so different from what I would see in the publishing world that with Tokyo Poetry Journal, I joined up as their Japanese poetry editor. So my main MO was to just find, you know, good poetry from among the younger poets of Japan and then translate and kind of curate that for them. Dope. And you're a professor and a translator as well. And you've been studying the Japanese language for quite a long time. I always tell my wife that your Japanese ability is perhaps better than hers, especially when it comes to reading kanji and translating <laughs> older poetry. Am I accurate saying that? Like, you, Can you tell us a little bit about your academic background? Yeah. Um, I've been studying Japanese 
since about 2001, um, kind of off and on. I lived in Tokyo for a year back then, and that was my introduction to everything. I just started studying uh, on my own. I just moved here and bought some textbooks and made the world my textbook and just walked around with a with a pad and pen, just like this, like literally around my neck. And everywhere I went, when I saw a word I didn't know, I would write it down, and I'd go home and I'd ask my girl, like, you know, what is this? Or I'd look it up and just studied a lot. And then I went, um, I've always been into literature, into poetry, and then I, I'm, I went to UCLA for a PhD in comparative literature and made Japanese one of my major languages. And um, so doing that, you know, um, I had to read a lot of Japanese literature in the Japanese and then ended up just being invited to translate for a bunch of people. And I did, I translated a bunch of literature, a bunch of poetry. I worked as an interpreter in the film industry and for like Anime Expo and, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of stuff like that. And then eventually just got this, one of the poets I translated, uh, she won an award and she invited me to come to Japan for this like award ceremony thing. And then it turned out she was the chancellor of a university system. And she was like, why don't you just work here? And I was a professor at Cal State Long Beach in world literature at the time. And then I was like, I, yeah, why not? And um, so... Super dope. By that time, Darren already lived out here. And so uh, it, it ended up being that, like, in coming and moving back out here, like, about four years ago, um, got to reconnect with him. Facts, and you've known Dallinger for 20, 20 years. Twenty years. We just realized that fact. We just yeah. had little yep. cheers to celebrate the anniversary. Yeah, we're wow. And, and listeners of the show know Dallinger is our guy. He's been on the show several times, and we consider him MLS Prime. He's also helping with some of the sound stuff. When it sounds really good, it's usually because of Dallinger. When it's fucked up, <laughs> it's all my fault. But um, <laughs> Dallinger also just released an album uh, this month through Cold Busted. It is called Exquisite Spirits, and Dallinger is working on a project with you um, where he's producing the beats, and you're going to be doing all of the wordy word stuff, uh, rapping, rapidalism. So... Um, yeah, so we're going to get into that a little bit uh, later, and we're going to do some weather reports. Hopefully, you guys share some of your new work that you guys are doing. But late, should we go into Cal Combs commercial? Yes, we should. This podcast, and every podcast uh, up until now, has been brought to you in part by Cal Combs and Cal Combs' website, calcombs.com. Calcombs.com has a lot of things. Including, but not limited to, Calcombs albums such as Caramel and 505 or 555? Is it 555? 505? I think it's 05. 505. Yes, it is 505. 555 is the fake phone numbers that you get when you're calling, like, when you're calling, like, you know what I mean? Like Scooby Doo, you're like 555, 555, Okay. Calcombs. Grip tape with his logo. And. Sweaters, hoodies, t-shirts with pornography. No, I don't know actually what else is on his website, but uh, it, astronauts printed uh, on. Uh, that's right. There are many astronauts. There is an astronaut among us. Uh, also, one of his albums called Insignificant Positivity. Correcto. And our number thirteen homegirl Aphrodite's album is also featured on Cal's label. I suppose. 
perhaps they worked on it together but it's a wonderful project be sure to check that out also in studio today we have our other sponsor keen joaquin so please make sure you go to keenjoaquin.com to check out all of his wonderful art and products and he may be able to help you with some design things clothing everything of that nature he's also known as the guy with the dopest business cards in all of the 23 wards so shout out to keen thank you for coming and rocking with us today as well keen he's giving us a thumbs up because we only have four mics but if you yell loud enough, you might be able to ease your way into the podcast. Oh, go to calcombs.com and enter the Mega Late Show promo code, which is Mega Late Show, no spaces, all lowercase. And all purchases over $30 will get you 25% off. So, yes, there's that as well. Uh, yes, shout out to Calcombs, shout out to Keen, and shout out to Aphrodite. That's right. So, now on to the temperature check. All right, let's bust it. All right, for our listeners, the temperature check segment of the podcast is where we ask our guest or each other a bunch of questions which they will answer with short answers or long answers. And these questions are meant to kind of gauge their interest in hip-hop and the things that they like within the culture. And so we're going to go ahead and start with that. Let's start with some easy questions, such as, Jordan, what was the first hip-hop album you purchased with your own monies? Oh, Jesus. I'm not familiar with that one. It might have been, might have been Run DMC. I'm thinking uh, that. Or, oh, actually, you know what? I think it was actually too short. Uh, hey. I think the album was called. Cause I forget the actual title. It was a very feminist uh, moment in, yeah. in hip hop and in my life. Definitely passes the Beckdale test. So, shout out to Too Short for popularizing the usage of the word bitch well i grew up and all i grew up in modesto too so it's just that was kind of what was in the air um and i think at that age um hip-hop had not really hit uh, a lot of places throughout america or anywhere and in small towns you know all over you just went to the store and whatever was there was what was there so i think in short succession it was like that and then like bismarcky and special ed and um Public Enemy, De La Soul, like all around like late 80s is when I when I started picking that up. Public Enemies uh, it takes a nation of millions to hold us back actually just turned 30 years old. <laughs> like last, yesterday. Yeah. Well, yeah. it'll be last week by the time you listen to this podcast, but 30 years old. Shout out to the Bomb Squad. Hank yeah. Shockley. Yeah. Those beats are phenomenal. And also speaking of... Oh, go ahead, Late. Did you have something to add? Uh, nah, bust it. Dope. I think that's all I was going to go. I don't know. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, but um, too, too Short, man, um, especially at the time in Modesto and in the Bay Area, it was a very regional sound. And Too, too Short was one of the, the first MCs to really come out in the Bay Area as an independent artist rocking because the East Coast was not signing West Coast artists like that back then. So you had like guys like Dell, Too Short, and uh, maybe even Master P was out there at that time. One cool. quick story about Dell. Um, I had seen Dell in some in some of his shows um, around like mid mid 90s, early 90s, something like that. And then I ran into him um, in Berkeley, and it was at Leopold's, I think, at the record shop where, if I remember correctly, he was working. And I was just in the in the old school section. I've always liked old school, even even in a time that people now say is old school. I was listening to old school, and so I was pulling out like old Curtis Blow. And you know, just stuff from like late '70s, early '80s, and and uh, 
I was super high and just, you know, in the bins, just enjoying, flipping through and in my zone. And I looked over and perpendicular to me, just standing there staring up, you know, with this, with this look, was Dell. Mm. And, and, and he goes, <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't know he worked there, right? And he was like, yeah, I seen your ass over here in the bargain basement section. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally imagine Dale saying that too. And he was like, you want to fuck, you want to fuck with my nigga E40? And I was like, what? Who is E40? Right. Oh, and then wow, like he, this has got to be early 90s. It was very, very early 90s. 90, Wait, he yeah. was an employee talking to you like He that? was an employee talking yeah, yeah. to me and like that. And it was like that in the Bay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I seen like there those no, like, work at Amoebas and everything. Excuse yeah. me, sir. I have a recommendation yeah. for you. Right. No, he was, and that's exactly what he said. And uh, and then he took me over and showed me E-40's like really first album that, w- that was in stores. I forget the, the name of it. And that was when I got into E-40 and stuff. But anyway, just to say that my taste has always been enough to draw scrutiny and criticism from the likes of <laughs> Dell. even though hey. at the time I was listening to Dell also. Yeah. And he was, as he left, he was like, yo, man, I really wish my brother George was here. Yeah, as he, that's right. As he skated off away. Shout out yeah. to Dell. I used to love the Bay, man. You go to, you go to like Amoeba or like City Lights or any, any of the really dope record spots and you're likely to find somebody who was like an artist out there being whatever genre, like A&T and just, I mean, I don't know, Dose One used to work at Amoeba and I used to always go in there and try to get like there when he was on like working because I was a huge Dose One fan and I would just kind of like try to stay in the A section looking through all the Anticon records and shit. So word, shout out to uh, shout out to the Bay Area for that, man. Very cool. So let's um talking about Dell. Uh, give us uh, like three of your favorite MCs of all time. Oh, jeez. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, let's see. Okay, this is, this might be a little controversial, but I'm speaking old school. Um, LL Cool J, one of the goats. One uh, of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. Aesop Rock, my favorite MC of all time. Yeah. My personal favorite. And uh, maybe Chuck D. Great choices. Bring it back to Public Enemy as well. Yeah. Who was your favorite MC when you were 16 years old? Sixteen. What was happening at sixteen? I guess uh, I was listening to a lot of Tribe Called Quest then, and uh, at about age fourteen or something like that, fourteen or fifteen, I discovered uh, the miracle of the forty ounce, and um, it was a lot of fun in one convenient bottle, and I was young enough that just one of them would do the trick, and uh, I remember. Um, rapping a lot of Tribe Called Quest songs at parties with friends after 40s or while drinking 40s. And that was that was the quintessential Modesto moment, I think, for a lot of us. And so um, probably at that time, Tribe. But I don't, I couldn't say which necessarily MC. I mean, Q-Tip is amazing, was amazing. And um, But from song to song, they'd have from, like this more standout verse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Word. Favorite Tribe album? I mean... People's instinctive travels in the past of rhythm is what like got me into their what got me into their stuff. But um, I think uh, what was it? Beats, rhymes, and life uh, was also probably one of the best hip hop albums ever. I listened to yeah. that, and memorized every single song. I think probably like anybody who was listening to hip hop at that time, we listened in a different way, and there was so much less of it available and out there that when an album came out, everybody got it, and you spent a long time. Yeah 
with that. You know, you put the CD or the tape into your machine and you weren't going to change it for a yeah. while. You were going to listen to it again and again. And so those were albums that, you know, I, you know, I had, I had memorized and were just burned into, into the mind, I think. What so about what year was this? That was, God, ni- 92 or, it must have been 92 when Beats, Rhymes, and Life came out, I think. And then the, you're, you're thinking, you got the wrong album name, I think, man. That that was a little bit later. 92 would have been of? like Low End Theory. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Low End, Low End, Low End. So, were you more native tongues than Hyro? No, I was, I wouldn't say I was anything. I mean, I listened to everything and I went to whatever shows came to town. Um, or the, or came to, mostly came to the bay because nobody was coming to Modesto. Yeah. Um, I liked Hyro. There was a there was a really good battle between um, like Hyros and and Hobo, Hobo Junction. Junction. It was an amazing battle yeah. that like a friend of mine just you know bootlegged off the radio, Mike Ruley, and um and and we listened to that like again and again and again. And so, but I you, you know I felt like Hyros won that battle, but I it wasn't like I had a, a stake in it. I didn't know many of them uh, at all, and I wasn't friends with any of them. So I didn't really have a side, but um, but I liked Tyros a lot. I also liked everything that was coming out of the East Coast. I mean, the first stuff that you that, that I heard was all East Coast because that's all there yeah. was. Everything was from New York, right, you know. Right. And then discovering people like Too Short and discovering the then a little bit later Hyros uh, and other groups from the Bay, um, you know that that felt really familiar just because it was coming out of more of the same world that I'd grown up in and all the, like that hard ass, you know, New York attitude, um, was not what I grew up with. I mean, you know, Modesto had its, you know, had its drama and its bullshit and stuff, but it was, it was not like the East coast at all. And I think that West coast, just like the wide open areas between towns, the like big streets, you know, big yards, just space, you know, no matter what the, the like socioeconomic level of an area was, it was just a more open, right. sunny, you know, kind of feeling. Not that everyone was walking around smiling and shitting rainbows, but it just didn't it's, have that hard. It's a, it's a very different know. vibe. Like when you think about the East Coast, a lot of albums like you can tie back to a feeling of like a winter feeling. Like a Mob Deep albums sound like winter. Nas early shit sounds like winter. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of this like, what West Coast albums sound like a winter album? And I really couldn't think of many at all. What is a West Coast album that sounds like a winter album? Something to think about, man, but I really can't place it. And the West Coast vibe was just very, yeah. very different, especially in the Bay. Uh, in the Bay, it was some of the different. Living Legends stuff talks about, you know, like um, the foggy streets of SF. But that's more that's yeah. still more like a California winter, yeah. which does not feel like a winter. And even when you look on like album covers and everybody's like they look like they're dressed for the winter and right. they've got like the knit caps and they've got big ass jackets. And it's like, dude, if we wear that, we would just be like right. dumping sweat. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything. I was going to say Soul on Ice. That's actually a really good choice. It, th- that actually is a really good choice. That has a really good summer jam on it. I like that. The joint with Coolio? No, no, no. Coolio's on that album, yeah. He has one. I don't know if it was a single or not, but... Oh, man, I, I even forget how the course goes. But it's a really good jam. That I is like a- up there. Uh, all right, yo. Top three Japanese poets. Ooh. Ooh, oh, I, I'm not going to know any of these guys. I don't okay, think. Okay, I'll. I'll uh, no, I'm not going to find. I don't know these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know okay, these guys. I have. I have some. I have some thoughts on this. All right. Um, one of them is um, I like Saihate Tahi, and uh, she's a total recluse, and she's she's young. She's I don't know. She must be like 30 by now. So you know, youngish. 
But um, I started, when I moved here, um, it was lonely as fuck. And uh, I, I have friends and family and I speak the language. And, you know, I wasn't, I shouldn't have been lonely, but I was. And it's like, I think just moving here from L.A., where everybody is just smiles and hugs and you know I knew I knew everybody everywhere I went you know and it was nothing but love everywhere and then I move here and like you know you go to give someone a handshake or a hug and they're like whoa what the fuck are you doing like this is my, my space yeah begins I don't here. like that shit because I'm a, I'm like huggy, I'm a huggy guy I'm huggy yeah. and I tell people that I'm like oh, I hug man yeah. and um yes yeah, so I moved here and it was just lonely for a lot of reasons and uh and uh I bought this book of poetry and uh it did not cheer me up. Uh, it was depressing as hell. It was all about how she hates everyone and like doesn't want to, you know, uh, doesn't want to associate with people. Does not have normal emotions. Does not, you know, feel love. And it was weird. No, that because... doesn't sound Japanese at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Imagine, especially with Do the, the Japanese generation. have winter albums or are all they sunny disposition? <laughs> but like, I mean, there was something about it that was so raw and so honest. And her saying that, it was like, oh, I get it. I get where people are at. You know, and then I also realized that like I was on a mission, and that um, when I stepped into the Japanese poetry world, first it was through university events that were really formal. Like they had formal presentations of bouquets of flowers presented by graduate students in business suits, hmm. and I was like, "Huh, this is so different from what I'm reading." So then when I got into like more like the club poetry scene. Like the nightclubs and the bars, and I this go to is more like an open mic style. Partly, they, a lot of them will combine like main main performer with like then an open mic. So like Spirit at Ruby Room in Shibuya is a big one since it's Japanese, but they have like a half hour main performer and then an open mic for like an hour and a half. And um, I started going to those and to some English events like Drunk Poets See God. And, you told um, me about that one. That's an amazing one. Where did they do that at? That's in uh, Ike no Ue, just two stops, oh, three shit. stops from Shibuya. I at, live uh, right there. Yeah, it's Bar Gadi Gadi. It's across from the oh, station. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They, do it la they had it last night, actually. I usually go to that, and that's super duper fun. That's that's mostly foreigners, so you know the vibe is really really open. And you know, with a name like Drunk Poet Sea God, you can guess what it's like. I mean, but the the Japanese events too. I realized that like the more I went to them, the more I just had to be myself. There is no possibility of me blending in here. It doesn't matter how good my language gets. It doesn't matter how much I can express myself, or if I know the manners and the customs and this and that. I stick out like a horse's ass, and I'm just I just started. Accepting that, and I just started, you know, remembering like just be yourself. You're not trying to be Japanese. You're learning a language, you know. Right. And so I think people appreciated that. And I started doing translations of some of the, some of my favorite poets, uh, like another one, uh, Michiyama Rain, Rain like water falling from the sky. Rain. Michiyama Rain is from the island of Kyushu. And, um, you know, he writes in his rural dialect, like in the way that's comfortable to him. And I started translating his poetry into like what I just called like California Ben, like California dialect. And, and I don't know what that is. There's a bunch of slangs within California. But I just said, I'm not going to translate into an English that sounds literary or in English that somebody else's. I'm just going to I'm going to translate it the way that I would talk it if I was hanging out with like some friends and just, you know, trying to communicate whatever it is he's saying in his poem. And we started performing them together and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, we became close over that because we both relate, like coming to Tokyo as outsiders in different ways. You know, me from California and him from from Kyushu, you know, which is deep, deep, deep country, you know. And um, so we started doing a bunch of events together. And then like he invited me to do other things with him. And we're, we're flying down to Kyushu for the first time in this coming October to go to a zoo 
and make poetry with children. And I thought you were gonna say make poetry with animals. I was like, yeah, sure. get well, on the that gorilla. Animals are gonna be involved, man. <laughs> but I mean, That's like, the thing. like children gonna, are animals, so I can see. And I am an animal. Yeah. I am an I am an apes, and so it's cool that you know now it's like leading into this. Like we're literally gonna go sit and hang with animals and children and write poems about animals. Oh, that's dope, man. In Kyushu, the zoos there is like one of these zoos that's famous for respecting the the rights of animals, the subjectivity of animals, letting them live in packs if they're pack animals, all that mm. kind of stuff. And zoos are still questionable. But yeah. it, but anyway, like, point is, every single, like, poetic thing that I do in terms of tra- uh, translating, it ends up leading to new relationships and new events. Um, the last one I'll say, so Michiyama Rain is another one of my favorites. This is a very hard oh, list. Before you say the last one, uh, yeah. the first one you said, the recluse woman. Saihate. Have you ever met her or is she like that She's recluse? She's totally reclusive. So I have exchanged is probably... Is that like Hikikomori? Is that, is that similar to that or is this like different? Well, the last time Not if I... she's like being productive, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's her, her books, I mean, she now is a, like their bestsellers, which for poetry is ridiculous. And she, they sell out as soon as they're printed. And they it's she was the first poet in Japan that they just made a feature film based on her poetry anthology and it's called um, Yozoro wa itsumo saiko mitsudo no aoiro da and uh, yeah, I got all that it's um, it's the night sky is always the highest density blue and it's a beautiful and depressing uh, anthology but uh, they made it into a film and so she's huge she's blown up a lot but I I got an invitation from the University um, of Iowa recently they have uh, they have like the basically the best most sort of I don't know prominent creative writing program and that includes translation so they invited me to come out as a translator and invite some Japanese poets that I work on to you know, they were going to fly us out and do this and that we had a book coming out that we were, we were going to launch there and I I ended up going with two poets who I really love Nagai Nagai Yuki and Kanye Naha and I invite, Kanye Naha? Yeah I know, I know. Straight up. He knew I was going <laughs> to say that again. <laughs> Kanye he Naha He describes himself as, as Kanye East <laughs> But um, Ka- I have yeah. definitely called Marvel Kanye East before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's super cool. He's he's another story. Oh. But like, yeah, we went. So we went out to to um, University of Iowa, and uh, I invited Saiha Tetahi only through her agent because she never communicates directly. It's all every single email is filtered through her agent. Even when we have like thirty pages of discussion about the <laughs> translation of her poems, um, and she her 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 reply to the Iowa invitation was like um, since I don't appear in front of people in Japan I think it would be difficult to appear before people other places Mm. are you sure she's reclusive and not actually in captivity of some sort she might she might not exist <laughs> right. yo yeah i was about to say is she real is this it's some actually William the agent shit? well if you look at her if you look at her website she's got she's got an artificial intelligence in online the app line you can you can send line messages to her and then her artificial intelligence will message back and you can create a poem together and she's got a on her website she has this thing called um shiku hak it's like you know poetry hack and then uh, she has all these games. Like one of them is uh, it's Space Invaders. And her poem invades like an alien fleet. And it comes down the, the screen, like the characters come down. And you're at the bottom and you gotta blast the fuck out of her poem. Right. And, and as you blast it, like words explode and disappear uh, and it becomes like a different poem. But you gotta oh, destroy it before it gets you. It would have also been yeah, dope if she it was this like woman the shooter. Doesn't exist. I know it's, it's really. Not. Yeah. Aliens, mutants. Right. She performs with an MF Doom mask on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Yo. People are watching and they're like, yo, that's not really her. <laughs> right, right. It's Kanye like, East. Lucifer, right? <laughs> One of his avatars. Yeah. Oh, that's really dope, man. Um, so, well, go ahead. I was uh, gonna, I was gonna segue into the conversation part of the podcast because. Uh, well, I, I want to ask about in that vein. I'm, I'm assuming most of the poets you said are contemporary, like yeah, like they're all live. They're all, they're all, you know, between thirty and maybe early fifties, something like that. Are there any Japanese rappers that you like? Yeah, Kid Frasino uh, is one that that um, I've really enjoyed because he seems like he's kind of making up a language as he goes. Like, I mean, I, he he blends English and Japanese, and I theoretically speak both. And I half the times I'm still like, what? Oh, word. And I, I like stuff that you have to decipher a little bit. You know, I tend to I tend to be. Yeah, are there any like lyricists that you respect? Japanese lyricists, like maybe not on the same level, but close yeah. to as art with the poet there's a lot i mean there, there's some that are not like that traditional of rappers um per se but uh, i like um i like some that are like like the girl daoko and uh, i really like um this girl rin uh, in fact i uh dean uh her i think her real name is didan nukui and um but like rin r-i-n dean and uh, she's she's an amazing rapper. Has a great voice, incredible stage presence, and really really cool songs. And she just kind of uh, moved in a new direction away from the producer that she'd been um, working with for a long time. And um, now she's uh, like her recent stuff talks about like you know the they call it snack like those like the those old, like it'll be like a tiny ass little bar with like five yeah. seats and then like a one woman who's serving up you know the whiskey and her main job isn't to serve drinks it's to just have conversation with people and to get them to laugh and to get them to flirt and to get them to get out of themselves and get out of that depressing hole you know of, of existence that can happen when you live in the big city so she has a song you know called snack and uh, um, I, I just I love what she's doing like finding the value in her world and like and putting that into hip-hop and I respect the hell out of her, and I'm actually I'm writing some stuff on her too in my academic world. So. Dope man. What are what are your thoughts on um, more um, typical Japanese rap? Because um, from what I understand, you know, there's only like five vowel sounds in, in the Japanese language, and listening to it while not being able to understand it. For, for me as an English listener, a lot of the kind of more boom bap style rappers who rely on like word structure and sentence structure ending with, you know, A, A, B, B type of bars, it sounds really monotonous. What are your thoughts on like typical Japanese rap? Do, do you find because of the, the structure of the language that it's just not all that interesting or what are your thoughts actually i think people are being are getting super duper creative with um with rhyme and there's a, there, there's one article that was that was examining this it was about the the evolution of rhyme in the japanese language as as hip-hop kind of came here because in the beginning they would just kind of talk semi-rhythmically over beats and emphasize words without really caring whether it rhymed or not and it, frankly it sounded terrible and then there was this um, a, a American scholar who wrote about it and was, you know, talking about some of the innovations they made. And one of the things she said that was like, you know, well, if they were speaking proper Japanese, every line would have to end in des or mas. And like, I always thought, well, that's a pretty limited ass understanding of Japanese or, or even of like rhyme in English. Like nobody mm -hmm. ends a rhyme on the, you know, the end of a sentence. Right. Like it flows. That's why you call it a flow. That's, you know, but I, I think like... Uh, 
people have gotten much better at it. They've figured out what it means to write on like kind of four four like you know lines that would correspond to like a, an A B C B you know kind of thing. And then once you have that base of you know of how to make a line match up with bars and how to make you know certain words and certain emphasis spots、uh, match up, then you can get creative. And that's where they're at now.、Um, but I think Japanese is also a language that like it's got the four vowel sounds, but there's a lot of Vowels that they put, you know, together, diphthongs, right? When you put、yeah. like ah and e together, it becomes i. But in English, we'd just call that i, and we'd say it's a different vowel sound. So they actually like they have a lot more, and then they also the way they mess with pronunciation、uh, is just in daily, you know, in daily conversation.、Um, Vocal inflection. And- yeah, I almost feel like it's the difference between somebody like they're they're at the they're at the juncture between to put it in American hip hop terms between LL Cool J and Redman. And so, if you think about like like what like you know LL Cool J you know is doing in in some of his songs, his his were his lines are mostly gonna you know the end rhyme and it's gonna be a straight rhyme almost all of the time, you know、um, like he might do you know I、uh, I'm trying to, I'm thinking of like you know Candy or something like that like I met this new girl with big juicy lips and nice round hips I mean her body's a trip. Right. right, and it's like there's not a lot of interrhyme play. It's it, mostly it, ending on on like the kick with. Yeah, and and you know Redman very well, but like you know he'll be like, you know, motherfucking ladies and gentlemen, I、uh, my style's rugged like Timberland, and I drop limit. These women give me more love than Wimbledon,、mm. and it's like Wimbledon and Timberland and all these、women、things that and, like yeah. women. And, yeah, so it's like he, he's developing much more of a flow, and like the rhymes are dropping in between. You know the ends and stuff, and they're bending it. It's more like assonance, like、mm-hmm. stuff that Eminem is a fucking genius、yeah. about doing. Like he can make words that don't even、yeah. sound alike. He can make them rhyme just、right. by like a, a little bit of a twist in the way that he delivers them. And I think Japanese hip hop is at that moment where it's shifting in that new. It's、direction. becoming more complicated and complex. More, more internal rhyme schemes. Yeah, and- yeah. They're learning how to bend their language without completely, you know, messing it up. It's interesting. Very cool, man. Have、moment. you? How do you feel about like really new artists that emulate the more trap sound, like a Ko or、uh, I don't know any other rappers. Can- mm, not Candy Town, Killa, those guys.、Um, yeah. yeah, nothing against them. Not not my style.、Um, but you know,、uh, like th- what was that song that came out last year? The、um, uh, Chou Wavy Chou Wavy de Gomenne. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. It's like. I can see the appeal of it, but I look at that, and I'm I just sort of am like, hmm, this is this is interesting. I just、uh, found out the other week that、uh, a porn star like did her own version of that. Kidara Asuka. Exactly. And it's Cho Eroi de Gomenne. I'm actually so, I'm so writing I, about I that. that. Right I support that. That was a fist bump. <laughs> I support that fully.、Yeah. I support that more、Any、than Cho Wavy Degomene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And、uh, her flow's not bad. I'm sure she didn't write it, but I'm sure she did not. But actually, it's I, I I I just think that it's cool to have、um, a porn star just lay it all down, and like her lyrics are pretty much like. You know, I, I mean, I don't, it's it's not like this hasn't been done in American hip hop before. You know, it's it, it,、uh, see, I couldn't understand 
Oh, she's basically uh, talking about how expensive her pussy is and how amazing it is, and you know how uh, some how, Kim shit. Oh, it is. It's, it it like is. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Is it's like it's that line that goes from like little Kim all the way all the Actually, way. Actually, yo, I've heard a rumor that she's that recluse poet that you like. So <laughs> I hope so, man. Because that means I'm two degrees away from her. <laughs> MF Hikiko Mori. <laughs> Word. Uh, should we go into the convo? I kind of thought we were already there, actually. I thought oh, we were okay. already in the convo section, but that was a pretty good segue, like earlier, the way Smooth it transitioned. Well, transition. really, what the conversation segment is at is just kind of talking to you about your interests and kind of where you started. W- when did your first interest in, in poetry happen? I've been I mean, interested. Because, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, for, for me, um, you know, I had a, an interest in rap, and I had always heard, you know, rap is just like poetry from the streets and things of that nature. But my interest in poetry actually came later when I first started listening to like actual poetry on rap albums one of my earliest memories is off of outcast at aliens they've got that um spoken word that spoken word piece on liberation i think it was or yeah and um i was like wow that's different and then from there you know it it grew into a lot of cats in hip-hop who are intentionally writing poems and from that lineage you have like you know your saul williams mike ladd and you know things of that nature so where did your not, not interest in rap, but interest in actual poetry, like written prose, come into come into your life. Um, I mean, as a kid, I always loved, you know, nursery rhymes and anything rhythmic. And um, I grew up on Shel Silverstein, um, amazing hey. genius um, poet, like where the sidewalk ends. Mm-hmm. And it was only later that I found out that Shel Silverstein was like, you know, Jewish? pot smoking, oh, yeah, so, questionably, me. questionably Jewish. No, He's <laughs> <laughs> like pot smoking hippie and hung out at Playboy Mansion and was part of that whole sexual revolution kind of oh, um, I didn't know that. liberation movement there. I mean, it's got it. That also has its, you know, questionable, uh, questionable from a feminist standpoint, you know, kind of treatment of women and stuff too. But, but, just, but the general movement toward a kind of um, liberated way of inhabiting your sexuality. And I loved his, I loved his poems because he said shit like in the beginning of uh, his book. I think it's uh, a light in the attic. He says, if you are a dreamer, come in. If you are a dreamer, a wisher, a liar, a hoper, a prayer, a magic bean buyer, if you are a pretender, come sit by my fire, for we have some flax golden tails to spin. Come in, come in. And I was, I was remember that because it's like he's saying if you're a liar, if you're a pretender, not if you're a liar, go you know sit in the corner and like you're busted and that's bad. But he's he's trying to see the connection between a little kid who lies and if that's if that's sort of routed in the right direction then it you know it can be an element of the imagination and in the adult world it's not you know it's a little more um, there's got to be a clearer line between it but i liked the, i liked his emphasis on breaking rules and and um uh being a little bit rebellious but i've always been into i don't know all kinds of poetry i my mom was a english teacher and um first in her family to go to college and she always um you know, so there was always books of poetry around the house, classical stuff, and I grew up, um, you know, reading that. And then, I mean, when I found poetry, when I found hip hop, I I didn't see any difference between that and poetry, and it always shocked me that people would be like, "Oh, hip hop is that poetry?" Like, I could, of course, it is. What are you, what yeah. are you talking about? Like that that is it's absolutely poetry. And so, when I first started listening to hip hop, the the beats really caught me. It felt very familiar. I lived in West Africa when I was a little kid. And, um, you know, that's also where hip hop came from. And I felt like there was something very familiar um, in its rhythms. 
And then in the in the lyrics, it's like I'd, all American music pretty comes much, from right? West Africa and Caribbean via the Caribbean, right? From West Africa, yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, so then I when I started listening to hip hop, my immediate reaction was, I mean, awe. And then what I found myself doing more and more just for fun, because this was back in the days when people actually had time. And um, I would sit in my bedroom and listen again and again, and I would write it all out like a poem. And I would write the lyrics to my favorite songs out, like on a tape. You know, you have to like listen for 10 seconds, and then rewind it again, and then you know make sure you got it. I would write them all out in lines so that I could. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I just wanted to get these words in my head, and I wanted to absorb it all. And so I started writing them out and memorizing them, and kind of. I think that also helped me appreciate the evolution that was happening in hip-hop around that time to really see on paper like oh look at this look at this poetic innovation and look at how the use of like lines and rhymes and enjambment and all this stuff is, is yeah evolving. i was i was doing the same thing man like i used to write down lyrics all the time and i'm tremendously bad at remembering lyrics but like i've written down like so many of my favorite mc's lyrics That's just to check it out now I'm, I'm a big fan of poetry as well and um I, I kind of think that it, it really grew out of um, people that were really creative in hip-hop and introducing me to new words. Like, so much of my vocabulary and political positions come from, like, a lot of the art that I was listening to. So, word, man. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have too many uh, questions to ask you in regards to uh, your upbringing or anything like that. Um, I know we're going to talk to you about some of the art that you're making now. What can you tell us about the poetry scene in Tokyo? Dude, I've never seen anything like the poetry scene here, and that's why I've been getting so into it. That's why, you know, the work with Tokyo Poetry Journal has been such a great outlet. I mean, it, it, there's so much going on. I mean, this is a, this metro metropolitan area, 36 million people. I mean, there are like two, three poetry events on any given night, and um, I get, you know, constant invites now, you know, to, um, to join up. And one of the things that I think is, is really cool about it is... Um, you've got so many different scenes. Like, you have the Poetry Slam scene, um, and I've been in Poetry Slam Japan the last couple of years, and um, uh, that was an amazing you, experience. You recently, or last year, you won like a national competition, or you came in second place? Last year, I came in second in Japan. I missed, I missed the victory by point one. It was no. pretty painful, but it was, it was still fun. And um, it was amazing even to get that far. And then this year, I just qualified for national finals. And then I'll be going to the finals. That's like the top 10, basically, in uh, November. And um, But, you know, the Poetry Slam world here is really cool. And it's super diverse. Like, a lot of times when I tell American people that I do slam, that, you know, from some people, they'll be like, oh, slam, that's so cool. And other people will be like, oh, slam. Like, I kind of got like, a bad name in hip-hop and stuff. It's kind of being pretentious and... It's like 20-year-olds yeah. who just discovered politics right. and like want to yell about some yeah. very basic political truths like as loud as they can and, yeah. and with some rhymes. Right. Potentially rhyming couplets. A A B B, you know. I mean, no, but there's also great right. stuff, but it's got that sure, it's man. got that stigma. In Japan, man, the slams are amazing, man, and you get really really abstract poets, you get really hardcore stuff, you get people doing amazing things with like rhythm and silence and yelling and storytelling you get comedians coming in you get rappers coming in it's so an amazing these mixed world. language competition no it's all japanese so i so i'm for the poetry slam i do my poems pretty much all japanese or like maybe 60 40 with like a bit of, like a, a chunk of english in there too the person that came point one ahead of you are they uh Nihonjin? japanese everybody's japanese there except me 
Well, uh, yeah, there's no there's no foreigners that I've seen in the scene. There's some who are like half Korean or half Chinese or whatever, but they were all like raised in Japan and they mm. speak Japanese fluently. Right now, I'm the only like obvious foreigner. Are, are, I'm not, go ahead. Well, I think. Oh, I was I was going to ask if there are English English events out here that a person like myself might be able to go to and speak rhythmically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There um there are not slams that are done right now um, in English, but uh, we could start one up. But there's uh, a like the drunk poet see God is a really good event for that, and then there's a bunch of other um, you know kind of open mic type events around town. But for for my money, I would go to Drunk Poets. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's in Sangenja or... Uh, yeah, yeah Ikenue. Okay. And it's once a month. We should go hit it up. Um, yeah, definitely. That sounds like something great, and I'd like to check that out for sure. Yeah, that yeah. sounds really cool. Yeah, what were you saying, Lee? Like? Well, I was going to ask. I know you said earlier you kind of realized it was better to just be yourself. Yeah. Like you'll never be Japanese. I feel like some people never get to that realization, or they, like, tap out and leave Japan before they realize it's better to not act like you're a Japanese person. Yeah. Uh, do you feel accepted in the scene now, or uh, was it the, the difficult initially yeah. for them to, like, look at you and not see just, like, a gaijin hanging out? I still get that reaction that every every foreigner gets here, you know? Like, especially if you speak some Japanese, you get the, like, whoa, what? You know, even in Tokyo, um, people still do trip, you know, when you speak Japanese and stuff. But um, mostly people know me. And most of the times when I walk into a poetry event, I'm going to know at minimum 20% of the people in the room, maybe almost everybody. And so there's not really a problem. But I've been to some events that, you know, I, I've just getting into the hip-hop scene here and thanks to like darren and you you know like i'm you, you guys are dragging me out to more shows and dragging me out of the the poetry world a little bit and back into the the world of rhythm you know and i love that and and but there's a lot of events that mix uh poetry and and hip-hop together and so you'll have like five poets doing shit and then you'll have like five hip-hop acts and i've been to some of those where they got some really right-wing like nationalist mm. um rappers and they're talking about you know in, I mean, in japanese but they're say, they're talking about how you know the japanese constitution needs to stay a certain way and japanese tradition is the best and foreigners need right to stay out. and they're rappers. looking right yeah. at you as they say all these aggressive right-wing yeah. political if you, positions if, dude if you google dexter thomas uh he's a uh an old friend um acquaintance colleague um that i knew briefly back in grad school he he did a presentation at a conference at ucla and i haven't been in touch with him for i don't know 15 years or 10 years or whatever that was but uh respect the guy a lot and he did an article about uh right wing like ultranationalist hip-hop in japan and when he did that you know i was like i was living in la and i'd never seen it you know myself but coming here and then and then actually experiencing that at a show that I never would have thought that'd be at, uh, you know, it, it felt really uncomfortable. And I think there was like a freestyle session at the end of it. And then uh, I think like I rapped a little bit in English and then they were like, speak Japanese. And it was like, fuck, I can barely freestyle in English, man. Like, and I, like I'm not about to start freestyling Japanese. So I just, I was kind of fucking around and, and freestyled it's a little crazy, bit man. in Japanese. But I just said, you know, I did like an old school hip hop chant, you know, and said, uh, I said something like, like, 
boom, banzai. And everyone was like, new, boom, banzai. And then I said, like, America, banzai. And everyone would be, America, banzai. And then I was like, kokyo, iranai, which is like, we don't need national borders. And then, every, and then everybody was like, kokyo, iranai. And these guys were like, <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah, yeah. Was, they're like throwing nikuman like, at you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, ah, get him out of here. He's I like, like that subversive <laughs> shit, man. But, it, like you know, it, yeah. and it's kind of corny. And I don't think I would, like, I don't think I would say that ever in a rap it's just too it's too i don't know it's too basic or something yeah Yeah, but it was like in that moment i just felt like taking it back to like some old like 1980s you know call and response stuff and then just lay the message out like fuck you guys i don't care if you're gonna try to claim this is your territory this is all of our zone and hip-hop is about inclusivity yeah man exactly such a weird position to have as like at a hip-hop show man uh like Cause there's some stuff going on in America right now, and uh, some people, more conservative people, are like, "Oh, we need our own media, our our own spaces." Like they want to make a conservative SNL, and a lot of people are like, "Yeah, go ahead, do that shit." Yeah, you know? good luck. The problem is, is like but the right wing funny. is not that funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? Like that's where I was going. Like yeah. art, like tends to be not exclusively le- liberal leaning, but a lot of the more entertaining things are like left-wing people make it yeah and there really isn't like right-wing hip-hop at least on a major level i think and the- i know oh, sorry go, no, I can't no, think no, of go ahead well i know here like some of the earliest people participating in japanese hip-hop were extremely you know anti-racist people like uh, I've been trying to get a couple of them on the show, but they're like not down with that national uh, shit at yeah. all. What does what the name it? Crack or yeah, the uh, Counter Racism Action Collective or something huh. like that. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have them on soon. The That's homie cool. uh, Robbie's with them, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Or, exactly. Yeah. Very, very, very strange things. I feel like go- in in the U.S. the the right wing hip hop comes from you know like it's no surprise like with Kanye. West, that Kanye, you know, and all the stuff that he's been doing with like Donald Trump support and being down with him and stuff. And I think a lot of that for me comes from the a turn toward very, very high level consumerism and like super elite brand names and stuff. And a lot of people will say that that's, you know, that branch of hip hop, you know, almost kind of killed it. And there's a lot of people within hip hop who talk about how it's dead because, you know, it went that direction. And I don't, I don't know if it's dead or not, but I think that's conservative. Like the minute that you stop talking about the, the political issues and equality yeah. and social injustice and, and, you know, fighting against things like racism and, um, and, and sexism and stuff. Like the minute yeah. you stop doing that and talk about the brand name or the million dollars that you spent on jewelry, to me, you've just gone conservative. Right. Uh, I would actually agree with that. And, and speaking of which, I was I uh, a couple weeks back, I was watching uh, an interview with Saul Williams. And we all know Saul Williams, uh, you know, spoken word poet, one of the probably most uh, well-known contemporary poets within like the hip hop community. And he did a lot of work helping Kanye with 808s and, and Heartbreak, that album, um, which a lot of people think is one of Kanye's best. And it's weird to see kind of the dichotomy that's happened with Kanye to where he's approached like not talking about social issues in the same way as he used to and it's kind of it's kind of very right right wing and not even the sense that he's espousing these ideals of like you know i support you know the the right wing political policies he's not really saying that but in in his new in his new approach to to speaking about these things and showing support what he's actively doing is is leaving behind a lot of the forefathers within the the hip-hop community which um and even the black panther party and all of these early civil rights movements which were large 
largely socialist and against these ideas of like hyper capitalism and, and consumerism. So it, I, I don't know, man. It's just it's hip hop's in a weird place, and I definitely don't think it's dead. But I think that what people are listening to on the main mainstream radio and the things that they're hearing that are called hip hop and people support as hip hop, I don't really think that those are the roots. Like Drake doesn't have anything to say about anything except for like women disappointing him and having money. And to me, that that is. Uh, now that now that you mention it, it is kind of more of a right wing position on a lot of things that I find to be a value within hip hop. Yeah, extreme capitalism. Yeah, I think there's a. I have a rant about this. Um, there's a. I'll make it brief though. But there's a there's a play called No Exit by the French um, philosopher Jean Paul Sartre, and he's an existentialist philosopher who's Very famous. With Sartre. Yeah, and in that in that play, there's a kind of famous quote that says, "Hell." is other people mm -hmm. and it's about you know people getting stuck in a in a room with just a small number of people and they find out that that's their torture in hell is to just be together in a room forever and here we are on the podcast no but it'll be, <laughs> it'll be over soon this is bliss this is bliss right, right. no but then so then but then i started thinking how wrong he was hell is not other people hell is the self and i think that you know genius uh or great great um you know talents like kanye has been have to go deep within the self to find something new but then sometimes they get stuck there and i think that that's where kanye is is he's in the hell of self and he does he no longer knows what's going on in the real world he can't gauge that he's so concerned with what he's doing and I, like in my own life anytime i want to completely fuck myself up i just have to think about myself for a while and i was everything just turns dark quick just i'm there and um you know it's things like hip-hop things like this show things like poetry events that pull me out of that and get me thinking about other people and get me thinking about like i don't want to just write to express myself because that's not that interesting i want to write to express the relationships i have and the and the way that i kind of navigate this world like that's probably of more interest to other people and it's more interesting to me hip-hop is is a participatory uh, participatory culture where everybody that was participating within the culture you know what composed hip-hop was the people who are participating and so inherently you have a group of people who are in a community and building a culture and once you kind of take yourself outside of that and you can no longer see the value of the people around you or the needs and desires of your larger culture of people then that that is a hell of self where he's, he seems very much only focused on the things that affect him and he's no longer able to identify with black kids being shot by the police and and the systemic issues that affect our society so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a gross thing and um you know i'm not drinking but i kind of feel like i'm ranting a little bit and, and, <laughs> no, and going no, off no, on no, a tangent no. but you know cool. like i don't i don't want to do yeah. that but but yeah i think it, it, it's a good point you made should we take a break uh going? one final question go mary fuck kill Mm. Lawson's Family Mart 7-Eleven We almost forgot that And that's one of the most That's the only reason That we're doing this podcast Actually <laughs> It's we're trying to Gather as much metadata As we can So once we find out All of the key components Of what people Like about Convenience stores here Then we're going to Start our own Convenience store man Yeah that's the plan MLS Interesting So mm. this, is a, this is a question Mary this is a real question. Kill. Yeah Mary? Family Mart Lawson's 7-Eleven I guess I'm going to say Mary. I would go... I would... Yeah, Lawson's. I think it's all about Lawson's. Lawson's has... I mean, Lawson's... 
you could put that into a hip hop song, and if you were Eminem, it could rhyme with so many things from possum to awesome to flossin to austin texas yeah i mean there's a lot you could do with that and uh 7-eleven is played out and and 7-eleven is too much like trying to i don't know man it's like it just makes me think of dice and uh who you know i think if they had slurpee machines i might feel a little bit different about them but until they get slurpee machines uh in mass through all 7-elevens i'm putting those at the bottom of my list i think lawson's also speaks to my inner hippie they have like natural lawson's where they have all kinds of good things and then uh yeah i'm gonna let it slide this time officially only shop at Lawson's. I think so, too. I think so, too. That's why I see you there. I don't like this conversation anymore. (laughs) It's taking a turn. (laughs) What do you like? Some kind of Family Mart guy? Yeah, I'm a Family Mart guy. I'm I'm marrying Family Mart... I'm I'm uh, fucking Lawson's. And oh, I'm okay, okay, okay. I'm marrying. Okay, I see. Um, I'm marrying Lawson's. Okay, word. Yeah, I think it was a little unclear, like if you're killing Seven Eleven or not. Yeah. I'm. I am. I would kill Seven Eleven. Okay. And I would fuck Family Mart. Yeah. yeah. You know that sounds. Uniform. That sounds sounds kind of scandalous. Yeah. Family Mart. It's already. Has a family, so you're it's making Freudian. up a happy home. It's Freudian, man. It's Freudian. <laughs> yeah. That's all. All sex is a family right. thing, deep down. No doubt. All right, Mega Late Show, episode thirty-nine. We're here with Jordan Apes. Am I pronouncing that right? Ape. You did pretty Apes. good. Apes. Smith. Poetry, hip hop, mutants. Mega Late Show. I live on ten. I'm gonna save. All right. Yeah. Hit a save on that. Here we go. Yo, welcome back to the Mega Late Show. We are here with Apes. Is just Apes cool? Or is it the whole name? Yeah, we do. And it is E-I-P-S-E-S. E-I-G-H-P-S-E. There we go. Apes. What's behind that name? It's a Japanese name. How, how do you spell that in katakana? Or do you use it's katakana? A, it's kanji. It's a long, complicated story. I'll yeah. send you the... I'll send you the... the nah, do it now. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Translate it. No. Um, okay, word. Well, yeah, we're here with Apes. We're here with Jordan Smith, poet, professor, translator, MC, all-around sure. great guy, friend of the show. Oh, and right shit. now, we're going into episode yeah, 39, Weather Report. I just met you today. Great vibes, man. I like you a lot. Yeah, Thank I'm you. saying. Thank I felt the same way the first time I met him. We we met at a uh, what was it? A beat show at Circus or? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, was it Shibuya? Yeah, it was in Shibuya. We saw Kid Fraschino that night in Lin Mori. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, in yeah, Lin Mori. Right. At Contact. Yeah, Contact, yeah, 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 not Circus. Contact. I always get those two mixed up, and I've actually yeah, gone to Contact when I was supposed to go to Circus once, and they're like 15 <laughs> minutes apart, so I was like walking for like 30 <laughs> minutes and shit. <laughs> yeah. But yo, this is the Weather Report segment of the, sh- of the podcast, and we're going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and start today, and the reason that I picked my album is for a few reasons, and it is actually an album that I'm going to be talking about. I'm talking about Deep Puddle Dynamics, and uh, the album title is called The Taste of Rain, Why Neil? And Deep Puddle Dynamics, and the the entire title comes, uh, well, first, I should say it's Dose One, Soul, 
Slug of Atmosphere, an alias. And this mm. came out in 2000, but it was recorded in 99. And the title, the, the main track that they released was June 26, 1999. And that was that was kind of the, the first joint they put out. And what it was, it was a kind of a creative art endeavor by them to make some experimental hip hop. And um, as you can see, with the title being from Jack Kerouac, it was um, based upon a lot of the beat poets and their approach to making music. So this album, um, well, here, let me go ahead and play, play play like some music say it played in the background a little bit here while as we go and um so anyways so anyways this album it came out like 20 years ago or it was recorded about 20 years ago and we all know alias uh passed away this year from a heart attack rest in peace alias and this um this album is just crazy man like there's so many creative tracks on here and the approach that they had for making the songs is wild like a lot of them were doing a lot of them are spoken word pieces uh, over raps there's um experimental tracks uh, for example um scarecrow speaks is they kind of pick a topic and then they kind of write about it and just rap um like a poem almost talking about different things and uh there's a song called candle which they all rap from the perspective of different parts of a candle. Uh, Dose One is raps from the perspective of the flame. Slug raps from the perspective of the holder, the candle holder. Soul is the wax. Alias is the wick. There's scare, um, uh, not scarecrow speaks. I am hip hop, which they all rap from um, the perspective of different people at a hip hop party. One is drunk. Dose One is drunk, and Slug is the rapper on the stage. Soul is the guy that is a killer he stabs and kills alias in the song and they all rap from this perspective and it's just a wildly experimental and adventurous rap album and um i just found it incredibly creative and since we had a poet today uh, on the podcast i wanted to bring this up because um, i'm a huge anticon fan i love all of those guys so much and they're outliers in hip-hop and they were making some of the most creative things to ever come out in the genre and this is truly an album that doesn't sound like anything else um, no matter how many conceptual tracks other people have made about like my favorite things from you know sound of music and their favorite things it's just so creative and um you know they were doing things like writing separate bars on little pieces of paper putting them in a hat and then pulling them out at random and wrapping them in random order and using them for the chorus and so yeah man this album is um is super dope um they use a lot of like layering on the vocals on some kind of uh what can I say? Uh, like pet uh, pet boys? No, not pet boys. Uh, Beach boys style um, layering, and, and it's just super fucking dope, guys. And I think that a lot of people should listen to it. And um, it it kind of helped me feel like I could write different style of raps. And I had already felt that way because of guys like Micah Nine and Freestyle Fellowship. But with Anticon, they used to do this thing where it's like it had to pass the poem test, meaning that it had to be able to be read aloud as a poem and not wrapped before they would record it on wax. And so a lot of the early Anticon collective stuff with the pedestrian and alias and all these guys back then, it sounds wildly different. And I think that Jack Kerouac would have loved Anticon because Jack Kerouac, uh, he's been quoted saying that he wanted to write a poem that was like, um, like, like playing a saxophone, like uh, on, you know, to music. And so, yeah, this, this stuff is just super good and more people should, should listen to it. And, uh, let me, let me just play a little bit of a verse from, I won't do it. Whose verse should I do on this Keen? The Scarecrow Speaks. You know, Alias has the voice, the one where he's talking about hate and love, and Slug has the one that's kind of funny. Dose One has the kind of like interesting. I don't know, like Slug. Let's play Slugs in. Okay, there's Alias. Let's move it forward. 
And it's like a pretentious, like, wow, big words, man, awesome. It's like being at a hip hop show, but doing weird. I'm descending the lake dove into when you finally acknowledge that I'm not pretending. Follow the language, the direction, the dialect, the cadence, the enunciation, emphasis, pretentiousness, assumption. Making an ass of you, point A in the air you share with me, point B. Now draw a straight line connecting wait, us. Wait, wait, man, who's not paying attention? See, class is the problem. Y'all need to quit resting and collecting dust. My stance resembles anger, but no, your perception's crooked. Now be some good little bastards, turn your textbooks to page Where seven. reads that God got drunk, drove heaven into a tree. Now there's no reasons left for you to continue to breathe. <laughs> Just joking, only trying to see who's listening. Now heads up, time to test the potential of your faults And the results will stay confidential For as long as you face the front of your self-esteem Lose focus, get broken at the seams Let's open up the discussion for comments To compliment your circumcised mind state While I ride on your anxiety. Trying to speak to the class and justify the act of pointing my finger at your head and asking you What the fuck is that? Thank you yeah. And on this track, like, Slug has the most conventional uh, rap rap style And, it like, Dosis is so... So different. In the immortal words of Oliver Wendell Holmes, a mind that is stretched to a new idea never returns to its original dimension. Simplistically, topsoil is no seashell full of bitter ocean body, but it can be changed. Yo, and like, um, uh, and, and to finish up, uh, that line, uh, simplistically, topsoil is no seashell full of bitter ocean body, but it can be. I was looking on my Facebook just today as, as we record this, and seven years ago, I posted that exact line as a Facebook post. So everything is serendipitously touching, everything is empty, and it runneth over. And Anticon stuff is something that I think that fans of poetry should really explore, because, man, what they were doing was so wildly like dope to me yo i have a question yep this album came out in 2000 yes a year after it was recorded uh well half of it was recorded uh, in 90 uh in in uh i think 98 and then the other half in 99 and when it finally came out it came out in 2000 but there's not an actual date because we don't have like billboard metadata for it it was an independent release and i reached out to um i reached out to text uh sean coppola who is the who runs anticon now and to see if he could give me some information about it but he has not gotten back to me so i'm not sure the date it came out what what kind of impact did it make when it came out oh dude if um the the independent music genre anticon cats were created like such a huge movement when it came to art rap and after that there were so many more projects that were poetically driven um a lot of artists coming out of canada and just uh within the independent community anticon was one of the foremost um powerhouses in in releasing music and well, being not, popular not anticon but i mean like like all of the artists you, well not all of them like maybe half of this group there's four of them right yes maybe half of this group like i know who you're talking about yeah. Uh, the other two I don't know that well. Alias moved on from rapping and started making beats in the style of like a DJ Shadow and making beats. So he had influence in, in fan bases and that with like Blockhead. But Soul and Dose, they continued rapping and of course you know um, Slug. But like for but example... I mean like, this is like a super group almost. Yeah, like, it, is. Why, it is. I've never really heard is. of this project. That's, yeah. that's like my question. It, like, what? It's a super group. It fell apart because um, Slug distanced himself from Anticon after this project came out. Um, due to some issues 
um, that are not all that clear, but eventually they came back and became friends. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of people, I would say a lot of people were influenced by these guys' art. Uh, I think a couple months ago, I was telling you how the song that Soul came out with, um, Dumb This Down, basically that concept, the beat, and kind of the approach is something that uh, Lupe Fiasco used. Word. So, uh, yeah, it's just wildly creative. And for a person like me who loves Gregory Corso, Allen Ginsberg, Jack Kerouac, and William S. Burroughs, like, it, it was dope. We used to we used to write poems uh, on the computer and then use William S. Burroughs' cut-up process to create entirely new poems. It would, you know, have these crazy lines, pop cloud, word hole, and things of that nature. It's just, yeah, man, these guys really influenced me. And, uh, yeah, I think I think in, in, the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, there was probably, like, Project Blow that inspired a lot of people on the West Coast, Hieroglyphics, and Anticon um, were probably the, the strongest tide of musical creativity on the West Coast for underground rap um, through the late 90s. But yeah, that's it. That's it, guys. Fucking amazing choice. Yeah. 20, 20 years old, man, basically. So yeah, let me go ahead and give the auxiliary to, uh, to you, Dallinger, so we can play some of your joints. Uh, and Dallinger, you just came out with a with a new album too. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, my new record, Exquisite Spirits, came out. I guess it was on the eighth of June, officially and finally. <laughs> Congratulations, man! I like that. I like that a lot. Thanks. Just applause drop. That's Thanks, the only man. button yeah, I, I use say, now. You should just have one big button. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got more shit. Yeah, you should, Mark. Uh, like I do have some. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, let's go in. Oh that that was see this is this is what I was supposed to use when, when somebody puts the, the new song on, like the radio tuner. Oh okay. I've got buttons. Uh, there you go. There you go. You got yeah. buttons? No I got flavors. buttons. I got I got buttons. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead, Downer. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Oh no worries. Um yeah. It's it just feels good to finally get it out because it's not to not to date it or anything, but I did finish that last year. <laughs> And uh, been subtweeting his label right now. Wait, waiting. For, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> been, it, it, it wasn't so much the label's uh, fault, but uh, in delaying it so much as it was uh, the whole vinyl manufacturing process. And like, and by the time we got it sent out there, I think it took in the end like 18 weeks. Yeah, I remember. I've been yeah, so. with you. I've been with you hand in hand through this whole process. Like when you were making the beats, he was sending me some of them. Like, yo, I made this and. Like yeah. here's it. It changed from last week and things of that nature. So yeah, very cool, man. Yeah, so yeah, it's out. It's, it's all good. It's uh, you know, I've, it's making its way out into the world and yeah, it feels good to finally get that done. But then at the same time, it's nice to turn the page and start working on something new or also uh, revert my attention back to the project that Jordan and I are working on. Actually, what I want to play actually, today. I was going to say, yeah. like, Jordan's got to take off pretty soon. So maybe yeah. we can do his track first and then yeah. like, we can. Actually, the continue. track that I yeah. want to play today, too, is something that we did. <laughs> so, okay, bad, bad. So, so. But very, if very you, cool. But uh, I'm good. Do you, do you want to play? Okay. Do you, do you care which one? I'm still thinking. I like I like how Dallinger kind of subbed the the label and shit. I did like. That. He should have done I'm it like Pusha T though. Dead beat, motherfucker. No, I did like straight it, up. I'm not call even complaining about yeah. the label. Just, yeah. just you know, the situation. No, you are hiding my record. <laughs> <laughs> You're hiding. You are hiding a child. In the end of things, I'm, I'm very I'm very grateful that they that they that they did that. You know, it's out on CD, cassette, and vinyl everywhere, pretty much. So, thank you, Cold Busted. Actually, has the reception on that been pretty good? You making? Are you balling now? I'm not balling or nothing. It's you know He's it's getting balling. out there. Better quit your job? No, 
No. But I will tell you, I was over at his place. We were we were doing some work on the album, and his computer like dinged, and he had a, made a sale. <laughs> and it, oh. it is, yeah, for, and we verified that it is for sale at Walmart.com, Target.com, <laughs> you, like you name it, man. Yo, it was man. in every major. Jay Z's album made in Walmart. Yeah. Title for that. <laughs> doing it big. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, actually, the track that I want to play for Weather Report, I guess, is uh, one that Jordan and I... I think it's one... We're just kind of basically dipping back into the, the tail end of this project. We've had this project pretty much finished for a long time as well. But, we but your computer s- went down for but a But yeah, time. last August, my MacBook Pro died, which had the entire project on it. And finally, recently, I built a Hackintosh and kind of have a zombie version of my MacBook now and everything back at my fingertips. But it's of, more powerful, right? Instead of a zombie, it's like a Frankenstein. Yes, like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's got, I, that's it's a good that's a good analogy, yes. It's, a, it's, it's like a, a stronger version. But uh, but still. Anyhow, what, one of the last, I think it was one of the last Is there a mutant that we can compare this to? One of the last songs that we worked on last, uh, before that happened, last year, uh, was done in a really productive day that we had. We, we try to get together uh, every now and then. He'll come through my place. And, Is this the uh, wolf one? No. Uh, this one, uh, I picked him up, and I just got an itch to stop by the Hard Off Recycle Shop slash thrift store on the way back. I thought it might gra- try to grab a couple records. And uh, I found this super dirty record that was... Didn't even have the original cover on it. I didn't. Even, I think it the late like the the label on it just looked interesting. So I picked it up. It was a I might like a sample snitch on myself, but <laughs> it no, was there's apps call. that do that it, for you now. It, it, yeah, <laughs> you're right. There, it, it was basically uh, a '70s Japanese soul group that's kind of in the likeness of the Jackson 5 but Japanese family oh the Tanaka goes I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah that's them I think I think that's them no. shout out to Joe uh, Tanaka <laughs> he just passed away recently <laughs> and uh, it, I just found uh, just basically the the bed it's pretty straightforward hip hop beat um, but it was just an excellent excellent bed to make it a, a beat and uh, we threw a beat together really fast and you you wrote the rhyme on the spot too, right? You wrote it that day, right? Or yeah, yeah cool. it was built built around some. Yeah, so we busted this whole song from fucking pulling the record to mixing and mastering it all in one afternoon, wow. and it was a pretty productive day. And I, I really like how it turned out. So that's what I'm gonna play right now. Uh, here it goes. Where'd you find the record? If you don't mind me asking. Hard, hard off. Hard off in yeah. Tokyo. No. By my house. Just for novelty's sake. Sacred is property for a poverty state. Is dope. What's the name of this track? Something novel. Johnny's got a body bag and Janie's got a gun. Jackie had a heart. Actually, we'll probably each of our songs on the album. I like how you almost said Japanese like a Japanese person speaking English. Japanese. The Japanese name is. The Japanese name is. Hot dog. Yo, this is dope. I, I find that there's something a little bit different about your when you're rapping in Japanese than a, a lot of the Japanese artists I hear. Do 
when Japanese people listen to your music, do they feel as though you're rapping differently than a lot of other Japanese artists? Because it seems something is a little bit different about this to me than a lot of the more straight, like, uh, I don't want to call it conventional, but like straightforward rap styles, not like a trappy or a clubby type of rap, but like just rapping, like with lyrics, it, it sounds different than I a lot it, of people. Is it the voice I'm, and the vocal inflections? I'm, uh, I'm presuming, but I think it has to do with what Jordan mentioned earlier about rhyming. Like, uh, Jordan's, yeah, like, uh, I, I'm gonna guess you started writing like raps in English back in America. So like his bass English rhyming style so, I don't know how you write in Japanese But I would guess it's different from a native born Japanese person Very different Japanese. Yeah. So pretty much like if you took like Hello Cool J and mixed it with like Surrealism and literary theory And then like put it out in Japanese So yeah, this is basically sense. Pink Cookies in a plastic bag Being crushed by <laughs> By a kunbini <laughs> about what you want to say and then translate it or do you just come out with the Japanese? Oh, that's a good question. Are you thinking in Japanese for the rap or are you thinking English and then translate I'm thinking in Japanese and just write in Japanese but uh, there is uh, the song that I'll probably do uh, I don't know, I could do different ones but there's a style that I have where I take the first line of the song and whatever language it appears in, whether it's English or Japanese, I will translate it into the other language. And then I write two verses kind of concurrently. And the one will start in English and the one will start in Japanese. And then it just goes wherever the flow takes it. And then I put them together and that becomes a song. And so they start, they have the same, they have the same beginning and then the same hook. But wherever they go in between that is their own business. I was going to ask you, like, do you, like when you're doing the bilingual, the bilingualness switches, uh, do you like write it in English and then think of the rhyme in Japanese and then complete the rhyme in Japanese or vice versa? Like how does that work? Or do you just combine the two verses? The two verses are separate, but like, so. I should probably just choose I'm going to choose a different song but probably for mine I should just choose Mokul Haku and show them how it works I mean, do what you feel, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, play whatever. I feel, yeah, yeah. I feel them all. They're fun. I love this album. We made this, you know, probably this for our own perverse interest. And I 
always think like the the bilingual nature of the album will mean that I always think perverse when I see D. That's like yeah. the first word. That's a, yeah, yeah. You know, that's yeah. pretty much on everybody's mind. <laughs> Very no, cool, man. This one's this one's great. I think yeah, I like that. The a same lot. thing of this record. I, I you know we we both spend a lot of time in it, and uh, I really dig it a lot. But when I think of the kind of uh, the demographic that we're hitting, and it's pretty, it's pretty niche. And yep. <laughs> and it's probably like this room, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Before we play the next song, uh, and MFD Kikomori is as also as far as the the beat was. That was very different from a lot of the other stuff. I've yeah, actually, from, what you're gonna hear on this record, I think all the these are more beats that are I think more uh, uh, conducive to having an MC on top compared to like the stuff that you hear on my record which is uh, like, like kind of cinematic and yeah. kind of like yeah, a, these a story definitely, in itself and even you know the the cadences and also as far as the like the way the samples are laid out and stuff is that it, they, it needs an MC on it I think you know mm. these beats is I that, like making those kind of beats too though so. you do like yeah. making those kinds of yeah, beats yeah yeah do you make those do those like just happen to come to you like, oh, this is better for an MC? Yeah. Or do you sit down actively to be like, all right, well, I'm going to make a... In, a... in that case, in that song we just played, I was making a beat for us to make a song to right. that day. So I had that in mind. But a lot of times I'll start making a beat and the... it'll start working its way one one way or the other. I realize at some point, hey, this is going to be good to have someone rap over. And then I'll just... Or I show up at your house like, please yeah, let it... me rap <laughs> over this. <laughs> that happens sometimes too. But cool. uh, yeah. Uh, you want to play? Should we do Mukuhaku? Yeah, I gotta get, put a little disclaimer. This song might change. Just is this the older still. version? No, this is the latest. You haven't even heard this version yet. Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! Exclusive. It's just, exclusive. It's barely, it's barely changed. What if I hate it? Yeah, no, it's barely changed. Okay. So when we when we play this, though, one thing is we should probably listen to about like two minutes, two and a half minutes of it because you'll hear the first verse and then you'll hear the beginning of the second yeah. verse and he, you'll see it go in different directions. Yeah, if you want to hear his kind of breakdown of what he's talking about. What so. does mukuhaku mean? Uh, mu means non or non-being and then kuhaku means blank space. So the English title of it is oh, clearly... Sorry, that's the, <laughs> the English title is clearly not merely a blank space. And that's my translation of muku haku. So I get very, because I'm the translator, I get to be as creative as I want. Mm, straight up. I like that. I got to get up on my Japanese, man. I need to learn how to speak this language out here so I can muku haku shit. <laughs> so, th yeah, this one starts off in Japanese. and then Cool. We'll see. I don't hear it. No. There we go. Oh. ハコ、ハコ、ザナシ、ボココ、ステテ、ユガコ、デバナク、カイタクの強ハクの小ハク、シャコハチのハシオ、ボキャクにかける、シュラクエバタル、キュカクデバカル、アジサイのサイの、
So you said this was one of the songs where you took a Japanese verse and an English verse and put them together? It sounds like you wrote it at the same time. This is one verse. We gotta wait till we get into this Yo, man. Props. Yeah, I love it. It's very different than Dallinger's beats that I've heard over the last three years as well. This is different from anything that we've done. I mean, that's the, the other thing about this project is every song is very, very different experience. The next verse coming up starts off with the same line, and then you'll see it go in like a pretty different direction. But yeah, you were right. That, that verse up until now was all written in one flow. You're trying to fuck with your beautiful socks? Hey, socks game on point today. Who we got over here? At least three hey, of us. We got Dickies, and then these joints look like flesh tone. Legible expression, indelible digressions, mostly postmodern with techno retrogressions. Let go of obsession to step in the mess of history. Dekishi no chushi no fuki no hekichi. Steki na keshiki, keki retsu na kishiki. Kiseki teki na sekusu no recipe. Hanbai sa no nai yo, hatsume shinai to. Yuitsu na hoho, mizukara gangai yo. Kogiro to onso no aida no ronso. Ronso kara ikusa, ikusa kara senso. Shimwa ga kie. What's your reaction been from bilingual I have not had a lot of bilingual people listening, but I've, I mean, mostly um, I've done this as like live performance, either with a band or sometimes with Darren, who will DJ it, or I've done it as like a poem. Like I dropped this, actually the first time I dropped this one live was in um, Poetry Sam Japan. And then everyone started calling this like my psycho nabuki, like my ultimate weapon. And it was like how I got into the national finals was by spitting this as a uh, as a spoken word piece. And a lot of the Japanese poets are very, very literate, very educated, pretty international type people, and they're way more comfortable in Japanese, but their English is good enough to pick up on a lot of them. And a lot of them, even if they don't speak the speak English that well, they still really appreciate the flow and like the the texture that that brings to it. I was wondering how you feel as an artist, like, because I, my Japanese isn't good at all, uh, but I can pick up bits and pieces, and what you've just said, the Japanese listeners, maybe they don't pick up everything in English. How do you feel about, like, maybe not having an audience that fully can understand everything that putting out? I, I think you pretty much just summed up my entire existence. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that like that's pretty much my everyday that you know I exist very much in between cultures um, I'm on the invisible border between Japan and California and I go back and forth across the different sides of that and nobody on the other side really completely understands me except people who live on that border and I think that people who have sort of border identities relate to that you know um, south north or, or whatever and um, this song was really written as an expression of like of that in betweenness. And so, for anybody who gets into the lyrics of this song, either only in Japanese or only in English or ideally in both, you can see me kind of working through that. But this is also a little bit like what I said before: of I'm not going to be, you know, accepted fully uh, as a Japanese person because I'm not. 
I, and this is just kind of what comes tumbling out. And if it means that I have to be like Sahate Tahi and write stuff and put it out there and see who um, see who listens and who doesn't, that's cool. Because you know, mostly this is like me and Darren in a 20 year friendship, like going into the zone and producing what we feel and you know trying to express like um, who we are. And in, in a certain sense, it's a little bit like just closing my eyes and putting my hand out there and seeing who shakes it. You know what I mean? I've had a chance to play uh, what we've done in this project almost all the way through to about three different uh, good Japanese friends out here. And they're all, they always hit me back with not just like the like superficial, Oh, dope. They, they always, they're like, wow, that's really different. They, I've got the comment every single time. Nobody raps like that in Japanese, but Mm. it's super dope. It's something different. And so that's, that's yeah, as like, good as feedback as I can. I, you know, my Japanese isn't good enough. I don't even understand half the lyrics on this project. I don't know, I just man. It's like put my trust in Jordan to, to not be talking about. He's something talking crazy. shit about you. I did hear you say the world is horrible in Japanese in the last one. Though. <laughs> did, did I say that? <laughs> Sekai, se, uh, horrible. horrible. No, 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 no. Horrible means that the world is going to be destroyed. Okay, oh, and it's well, about that's the, better. It's from a, there's a children's song about bees, like uh, buzzing around a meadow mm. and then it was a reference to the fact that the bees are dying and the world is fucking going down so right. it was like a twist on a children's lyric about that about bees buzzing around but instead of saying hachi ga tobu which is the bees are buzzing i said the world is destroyed uh, <laughs> i'm looking forward to seeing you guys uh you guys perform this live and i totally expect you guys to be performing this album live uh darren uh, has enough connections within the community that this needs to happen so i'm just gonna put this out there right there this is going to be performed live at some point so word um and i know you got to take off jordan and i I don't want to keep you but if you could just tell us uh earlier you were mentioning that you're going to be involved with the project uh that bbc is putting together involving the suicide forest here in japan can you tell us about that it looks like um next month uh i'll be joining a producer from BBC Radio who's coming to Japan and um, traveling out to the suicide forest and um, that's been you know it's I think it's exists in, in myth for a lot of people and then there was that that video Darren was reminding me about of that idiot who went out there and took some footage Paul Logan Paul Logan or something and dro- oh dope Jared, I didn't know Jared he was Paul? a BBC producer that's cool man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think this is going to be the anti Paul Logan version where um, she wants to to come out and uh, get a group of Japanese poets and then travel to the suicide forest for a couple of nights and days and um, and we all go off into different parts of the forest and we write and then we get interviewed about like the history of that of that forest and what it means in Japanese culture and it's she really wants Japanese poets to be you know speaking their version of that and so I don't know where I fit in I think I'm more going as like the moderator and the, translator and stuff the like guy that. who dies first in the horror movie <laughs> yeah, the horror. that sounds like a plot for a horror movie right? <laughs> it's been nice knowing you guys um no, but uh, yeah, I don't know how it's going to go and I don't know exactly what my role in it is and I don't know I mean no one knows cuz it's an experiment. We're just going to go there and see what happens, but there're uh, about four Japanese poets who are um, going to be traveling out, so look forward to that project and hopefully it'll be um, 
Yeah, kind of the Very antithesis cool. to the zoo project with kids. It's like I'm gonna go write poetry with kids at a zoo and go to a suicide forest and write about death with uh, four Japanese poets in the Where BBC. The killer's gonna have like it's gonna be Hikiko Mori so girl with the MF Doom mask. Me yeah, and Mega were planning to, to like take kids to the suicide forest <laughs> and, oh, God. and, and then write about animals, leaving them there. Yeah, Paul but Lugan, very cool. Where, where, um, where can people find you? Your art or poetry? Anything of this? I have a website, um, jordansmith.space. Uh, I'm on um, Twitter and Instagram. Um, Instagram Jordan Giraffe, and Instagram Jordan. I mean, uh, Twitter Jordan two eight Jordan one. And uh, I don't use that stuff that much, but I will put more album stuff out there. I usually just post poetry events. Tokyo Poetry Journal also has a website, topojo.com, and then uh, Facebook, Tokyo Poetry Journal. And uh, anybody who comes to Tokyo, poets, MCs, whatever, and would like to do an event, we set up events year-round um, you know, with the poetry community, both Japanese and international and, and English and, and all that. Yo, so if I anybody comes through, hit me up. Yo, our guy would fit well with that. Uh, Michael Larry Draw. Yeah. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. Actually, I w- I'm going to get with you on that a little bit more as well because uh, I'd like to participate in this type or, of thing. And I maybe expect to see you out yeah, at yeah. events soon. Definitely. Man. Definitely. I started writing yeah. again, so it's going down. Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful stuff. Um, Love you, man. Thanks you gotta, for having me. You got to check off right yeah, now. Yeah, sorry All right. To All right. Build my next Yo, thing, it, great it, to absolutely. See you guys. Absolutely a pleasure to Thanks, rock with man. you, and I'll see you next week. Thanks, Sorry about that. All good. Thank you. SNS, you want to put out? That's cool for now, man. Um, there's a bunch of stuff coming up, but okay. anything that's anything that people connect up with, they'll be able to see the stuff coming up. And when the uh, when the BBC project comes out, uh, we'll get wind of it and we'll we'll announce it on the show as well and put it on the uh, on the webpage and for everything. Sure. Word, so thank you, thank cool, you, man. You are the wind beneath my wings. Yo, can we get a quick drop before you leave? Uh, like something over this. Or like- oh no, not 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 some rhymes, but just oh. like yo, you're listening to the Mega Late Show. <laughs> You are listening to the Mega Date Show with Jordan the Ace and D. Dallinger. Word. Boom. That's right. All right, Mega Late Show. Uh, Mega, hit that one button. Hold up, hold up. Wait. I got gunshots. Oh, wait. It's <laughs> for the suicide force. <laughs> that's what I want. I want the Jeopardy. Yeah, you kind of like me right after now. After my shit, I want people to be <laughs> Yo, thinking for 30 A's. seconds at least. Thank you for rolling through, man. Yo, <laughs> nice you. to meet you, man. Good to see you. Yeah, you too, yeah. man. Let's kick it again soon. Nice to meet you. Thanks for the best business card in Tokyo. Word, man. I'll, uh, I'll catch you next hip-hop? week. What uh, is hip-hop? Kanye East. Who is Kanye East? Yeah, there we go. Mega Late Show. The number one hip-hop in Dope Culture Podcast in Tokyo. So I guess we don't have much to talk about now anymore, except for maybe a little bit of news before we tell you guys about upcoming projects going down. So, uh, Late, do you have any news, sir? Uh, I only have one thing I want to talk about, but if it doesn't come up, I don't really care. Okay. Um, There was another person that got arrested in Japan for uh, slinging that weed. And uh, I'm not sure what that person's name is. I think it's J.O. is this person's name. And he was caught with 770 grams of weed and a bunch of cocaine. So, uh, you know, I just want to say that this drug usage is absolutely terrible. Oh, we get a picture. Let's get a picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. There we go. 
Oh, yeah. Peace, man. So this guy was arrested, making a bad name for... Let's start that over again. Yo, yeah, so let's go ahead into the news segment of the podcast, and let's see if we have any news that's going on. Now, there were two accusations of biting recently in the hip-hop community, and we know that this is a tremendous transgression against the gods of hip-hop themselves. The first one was uh, that Nas album cover and beat being straight-up ganked. Dallinger, you, uh, you're the one that told me about that. Yeah, where did I... I think I think I saw that on uh, the first accusation... I can't speak. Uh, the first... Uh, help me. Help me talk. I think the word you're looking for is ass to mouth. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. The accusation. Accusation. Thank you. I, I was trying to say acquisition for some reason. I guess he kind of... There was an acquisition that yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was very yeah. we, uh, political. Yeah, I mean, that was some I, PR. Right? I think the first one, to the I think the first, the first that I saw of that was on Instagram or something. But yeah, uh, yeah, Th- that's an interesting case though because like I was like, oh shit, and then I went back and listened to it, and uh, yeah, I mean, no doubt, it's kind of suspect. Did, did you hear but, about it late? Uh, I only down. Did you, did you say that in the group chat? I don't think so. I don't so. think so. Uh, maybe maybe I mentioned. picked it up through osmosis thing, okay. but maybe I remember was, hearing maybe something it about group, it. Maybe it was in the group chat too, but uh, but uh, basically what it was is there is a Bay Area producer. I think he goes by like the architect. The, the architect. Yeah, and uh, he, he, I think it was on his on his Bandcamp or something. He had yes. he had done some Nas uh, uh, remixes, and uh, one of those was just uh, honestly when I went and kind of sniffed it out, uh, it was basically just uh, I think it was a loop. Of an Iranian kind of a folk rock uh, dude from back in the day, but it was like a straight loop with the acapella dropped Ma- on top. A mandolin um, sample. Yeah, something like that. And uh, but it, it ends up being what uh, was rocked on one of those new. Uh, the Adam and Eve track. Yeah. Which is. Oh wait, new... not the cover. But the cover as well. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me let me unpackage well. it. So, anyways, this Bay Area this Bay Area um, artist, the architect, he created a Nas remix project um, a while back, right? And the remix project used the same exact sample, that mandolin sample that was showed up as Adam and Eve on the Nasir project with Kanye. Now, that that could be coincidental, you know, a sample pool sometimes. Yeah. But it sounds it sounds very. It, it's basically super it, it's fucking similar. Loop, it's the same loop. And it is kind of suspect that. It was from a Nas remix project. Yeah, a Nas remix remix project. But but I think the thing the thing about it that is the most perhaps damning or strange is that it's the same fucking album cover. How does that happen? Was, and what does was it, the, I remember the, the art? The artwork was, is the same. Here, let, I have a picture of it. Oh, but shit. here's the there's the album cover late for his remix project that came wow. out before. I mean, it's the same picture with just different effects on it. People I, were I wondering like that. what was the meaning <laughs> of the album cover. Yeah. And they were like, oh, Nas is in the picture. And everybody was like, nah, he's not. Like, where no. did they get this picture from? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, you know, our, our listeners know that I didn't. Li- I only listened to the album once, right? And I was with Late. But th- this shit is weird, right? I mean, isn't it fucking Yo, weird for. Outside of the uh, Kids See Ghosts album cover, all of these releases have had controversial album covers. Or, like, at least the album covers have been, like, yeah. kind of like. 
a topic of discussion and yeah. like kind of like I mean the the Pusha T had the Whitney Houston fucking um, the the drug riddled bathroom yeah. uh, cover. Kanye's had a picture of Montana mountain range or something with just like yeah they said he made being, it on the way to the listening party. right and then like um, the Kids See Ghost is a piece of artwork by Takeshi uh, Takashi Murakami Takashi or Takeshi Takashi don't know. Murakami and then the the Nas cover is this which is I mean it seems like a clear bite. But in today's day and age, I have no idea how the fuck that even works out anymore. Like, are, is it a bad thing? Like, what the fuck I is going on? I think it's like these dudes, in my opinion, it's like, yo, somebody heard that album or saw the cover and then they suggested it in the studio without the artist knowing. Unless it was a straight bite. That artist actually, uh, just to, I, I kind of, uh, through this whole thing, I got to figure out who he was, the architect guy. It kind of rang a bell, but he actually does a project with uh, uh, Tajay from Souls. Souls of Mischief. Yeah. Also, just on some some random shit, I figured out the guy's Instagram, and he actually liked one of my photos like five months back. Same dude. Mm. <laughs> or a video it, of a beat that I put on my Instagram. Like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, it says it says here also the inspiration doesn't stop there. Kanye seems to have borrowed a sample from a remix track. No idea is original, and um, Nas remix track, which is no idea is original, used for the Adam and Eve joint. And I don't know, man. It's fucking weird. This is not the only joint that people were talking about was a, a like a, a mainstream artist biting from another artist. They also had the Donald Glover controversy. Did you hear about that one, late? Yeah, I did. The, the track sounds kind of similar to me, but that one is like, okay, I can see that that's I didn't not listen a, a to the other it, it, they, they do sound, they have a similar vibe and the content is the same. It's talking about, you know, America from a position of, you know, the artist as like a black person. And it's got like kind of an Afro pop kind of aesthetic to it. But yeah, that one's not as much of a bite to me. I can see why it's much different. But this Nas shit, man, I don't, I don't even know, like... I, I think I think after I think it's a great thing that good music is done. They put out a lot of projects that people seem to like and have resonated with a lot of people. Did that Tiana but, Taylor um, come out? Yeah, it came out, and she had issues with her shit too. She said that the, the, she basically she said the album wasn't complete and she's going to re, remake the album again. Oh, she said that. Yeah, she said she's going to remake the album, and that I've heard nobody. She had some issues it. with it. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's not a hip hop album, so it's like I didn't I didn't I I, I was kind of done with everything after Nas from Kanye, mm. but yeah, I, I for me I'm kind of like off of off of these artists that I don't really want to support anymore like that so Kanye said he wants to release 52 albums in 52 weeks which is a lofty do it fucking thing to do yeah, let's DC see. shit uh, Kid uh, Kid the Rapper Chance the Rapper said he's working on a project with Nas and I don't know man you well, mean Kanye oh yeah yeah excuse me with Kanye I don't. I, I really don't know I, don't, I kind of don't and care Donald I'm, I'm kind of yeah yeah so it could happen we'll see I, I, I don't just think, think man like as much as Kanye is removed from any kind of social justice or what's happening to people outside of his circle, he doesn't know that this guy dropped the Nas remix album with the cover and the sample and maybe somebody brought it to him. Maybe I'm giving Kanye too much benefit of the doubt, but I really doubt he's like digging and then finding this shit and be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna jack this. He probably just heard the idea and he's like, oh yeah, that's good without doing any kind of research. Which seems to happen to, well, in my opinion, what happens when producers get, like, you know, 
mixed up with like any kind of sample issues or some biting shit they just don't dig deep enough they like take suggestions from their crew or something like that and with, i don't know you got to be more careful than that with the album cover yeah i can definitely see somebody saying yo here's a good fucking idea for the album cover but what about the uh the beat though that means that kanye is not behind pulling the sample himself who's working on it not. is it mike dean you kanye? you you think that Kanye's not sampling in, in the main force behind the skeletons Every of his track? music? Yeah. No. You think that... I mean, I know that he brings in producers. Like, Mike Dean's name is on, on these Kanye projects as much as Kanye's name is, basically, I mean, from like, track to track. It's but like, I mean, like... I just assumed that Kanye was Like, if I was hanging sampling. out with Dollinger, I was like, yo, Dollinger, this might be good to flip. And then Dollinger was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then, like, later in the day, he was like, oh, shit, this is actually pretty hot. You mean and then he did like, and this, it's, it's Dallinger that's making the beat, and then I mean, you're I was the guy gonna suggest to that earlier when uh, Dallinger was like, he liked on my Instagram. I was like, that's the link right there. It was Dallinger. Mm, there it is. We figured it out, hip hop. Case closed, <laughs> and they wouldn't got away from it. Too. Was the white man? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have a? <laughs> Oh, I don't even know. I, yeah. damn it. I, I'm yeah. done with the 404. Yeah. I suck at the I suck at the 404. I'm tired of this shit, man. It's not, else it's not easy even it. when it is your machine, is it? No, no. I just, like, I don't know. I need a treasure map to talk about these things. Is there anything upcoming in hip-hop stuff that you guys are interested in? Well, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to speak on um, the Jay-Z verse on Drake's track, on Drake's album. He has his final line where he says... Uh, y'all killed X and let Zimmerman live. Yeah, uh, Tentacion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the album oh. just came out. We're recording this on Saturday. It came out yesterday, and X died last week, I believe. Mm. So very like recent and current. Uh, I don't want to speak too much on X's death, uh, but that line, I'm kind of conflicted about it. Because on one hand, I'm like, I see what he's trying to say. And I kind of agree. But on the other hand, like, I don't know if those are two comparable situations enough yeah. to be like this or that. Definitely not. I, I definitely, I, I think it's clear that it's it's not, you know, like. Um, and not, not to wish death on anybody, which is not what I want to say. Positions. I mean, but, yeah, Jay-Z, I don't know what Jay-Z's doing. I thought Jay Z like was subbing. Like I thought he was subbing Drake on some of the new tracks off of damn uh, the he, Carter's album, he, and then he's he on was. a track with him. This this is all fucked up. And then like Pusha T is dissing Drake for having writers, and then Drake is writing for his songs on Kanye's album, and then Jay Z is subbing Drake and then doing a verse on his album, and then I don't know, man. The main fucking all this mainstream rap shit is so fucking trash to me half the time. I'm not gonna listen to Drake's album. Did you listen to it late? It's not out on Spotify yet, is it? No, that was it did come out like two and a half hours later. But yeah, I listened to it. Actually, like that's the first full album I've listened to in a long time because a lot of albums I can't get through these days. And I listened to that and I liked maybe four tracks off out of, of the whole thing. The double disc? Yeah. Uh, well, the shit's weird. The album and cover I'm looks like that a as picture like a pretty You'd like Drake big Drake yeah. fan, yeah. Okay. So mediocre album by Drake? Uh, it's in your opinion. It's his best in a while. 
it's okay. not good. <laughs> you know what's funny? Like somebody pointed out, the album cover looks like uh, like a picture they would have at a wake, like at a funeral and shit. Oh, with the year on it? Yeah, like with his face and he looks like solemn, like we're going to miss you, Drake. And then the first song is like Survivor or Survive or some shit. Yeah. Wash, deadbeat, motherfucker. Well, I wouldn't say that. What, deadbeat? Yeah, I wouldn't say that. No, I'm just quoting the Pusha T line. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I. I'm. I'm I don't I'm know. Done, how, I'm done with like, Kanye, Nas, if, Drake. If you have a baby with a woman in another country and other international custody laws, I don't. I don't want to. I don't well, know. He, yeah, Drake can, has a private jet. He can fly over there. He says he only seen the kid once. I mean, yeah. If you want to be a father, him. I mean, huh? but. I don't know. We're I don't, some, I don't we're care. Some I, issues. I, yeah, I, I, I really don't. don't sure I, I really don't care how Drake is raising children or to yeah. me it's not even that big of a point but I you think, also shouldn't I think wipe finally... up every woman you knock up in my opinion yeah I don't know I'm done with all of those artists and I won't be listening to them I don't think at all do we got some news I mean not news some some shows nah man it's a pretty dry week alright uh of course regular shit uh Kinsuke on Wednesday, that's Nova at Quintet. Under the Moonlight, that's Mondays at uh, Rep with our guy AJ, along with Eight Man and Spite. Uh, Under Digic with Kokimura and uh, fuck. Uh, DJ Hiro, that's at. Um, Man, I can't remember any names right now. Oh, well, look at this, though. That was pretty yeah. nice. Yeah. All right, I'm going to look back at that in a second. All right. That's that Insoft. <laughs> no, this is hella soft. Life Park from? is going to be at Seaton Lounge. That's every second Thursday. Yeah, Tell us a, about your shows. It's a pretty, you got hella shit going on. Uh, every time I, I turn around, you got some shit. This week. Oh, no? I guess every Monday... I, I'm talking about this now. Every Monday, me and my guy Akira, we're in Azabu Juban. Akira, Akira? Yeah, Akira. Shakira, Shakira. <laughs> <laughs> we're at uh, this cafe in Azabu Juban called Blue Jam Cafe. Akira's DJing as well? Yeah, man. Oh, shit. Yeah, got him onto the shits, so we're doing that. When are you going to put me on? It's called Smooth no, as Eggs. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, they don't got no turntables. No, I'll be I'll be having my shit soon. I won't need an interface either. But we're uh, and I'm gonna start doing this thing monthly in Harajuku every last Friday at my guy Harry Sandwich Company. I think that's what it's called, Harry Sandwich Shop. It's in. Harajuku. That sounds kind of. There's a little bit of when he said that I was like I've Harry read, Sandwich. It's funny. It's funny. It's kind of like I've been I've been Harry in, Taco Harry knowing Sandwich? of th- that oh, okay. entity and nasty. reading that. On the internet the whole time, but until I heard it out loud, it didn't, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't click for me either. It, it didn't even click. It's not even clicking with me now, but I, I see what you I guys think, mean. I think it should be Harry's Sandwich Shop, yeah. not yeah. Harry's Harry, Sandwich. Harry, Harry's <laughs> no, I said Harry's. I, know, I just didn't. I, 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 <laughs> a lot of times with your, with your, you, you have like a, a an Atlanta draw that it's not like huge, like somebody like. Um, yeah, I don't have the you know, the but tone, but a lot of the words that you say, I'd be like, 
wait a second, did you just say that wrong? And it's like, no, he just said that Atlanta. Did, did you guys get this one? This show? Oh, yeah, yeah, this Milky Way joint. I was looking for that because I thought I saved it into the calendar, but apparently I didn't. That's it, next Saturday. Yeah, next Saturday. Probably it, the day G- after this G- comes is go- is a darker Yo, than wax. get him on the show. Goyama? Yeah, yeah, hopefully we can. But anyways, um, at Jiku, which is in the... Hinode Pier that, that's in the, Minato. That's the cruise. It's a cruise joint. Oh. It's one of the... Did, oh, it's a cruise. Oh, yeah, okay. It's a cruise boat. Oh, and that's going to be dope. Phonics is there. Kavd, uh, Mint, Miz, Goyama. Lidley. Goyama's there. I might there. go to that. I'm not playing that, but I'm This is a Saturday? That. Yeah. Uh, and Lidley's going to be there. It's called Milky Way, and that is on Saturday, July yeah. 7th from like, 7 to 11. Like 2,600 yen or something? Yeah, get on a boat Oh, shit. I'm tripping. Uh, the Hangout is this Saturday in uh, Koenji. So tomorrow? From midnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what, okay. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. I might have a couple shows coming up. Well, I'm pretty sure. Sh- I'm just going to nail them uh, down. So, doing but, Heavy uh, Six Zero maybe? I think so. Yeah, and I think that's on July 28th. Heavy Six Zero. Again, of course. Got to nail that down. And then also in August, I got a show. I think it's uh, August 13th, a Sunday at Sulfa. Bet. Of course, all this information is on the weather forecast calendar. Uh, there's other stuff we don't talk about because maybe it's not exclusively, you know, hip hop. But you know, there's some Tokyo stand-up stuff going on. If you want to go see some like old-school R&B acts that are coming to town, that shit's on there too. So yeah, keep the calendar. Um, also, I'm releasing uh, every month uh, 10 tracks that came out during the month, so check that out. I just did uh, June Mega 10, which is uh, 10 tracks from a bunch of different artists that came out in June. We'll have one of those in July. And I'm thinking about mix. Maybe- yeah, um, no, it's it's a it's a it's a blog post with the songs on it through YouTube. But I'm thinking maybe I should maybe I should mix them together and, and do like a little you know 20 minute mix or however long and put it on the mix cloud. So I'll be doing that. More mixes coming soon. Uh, I'm hoping to have my DJ equipment soon. So you'll probably see me out here um, running around and playing uh, MF Doom beats. Hey, uh, shout out to MF Doom. MF Pigeon Dust, Lidley, uh, Dallinger, Fat John, and Nujabes. Disregard all the and names And Beats on the show this episode. Yes. I heard a lot of Doom. I was feeling it. Yo, the Mega Late Show is the number one hip-hop podcast in Tokyo. I mean, Not just honestly, because we're the only one, but also because we're super fucking live. I mean, there are other podcasts, but they're yeah. cool. But number one. Hug your mom. Oh, is this the fade out? I don't know. I was just getting real sentimental oh, thinking about all the accomplishments we've had. Hold on. Let me uh, do the motherfucking beat. How's that? Three buttons for your ass this episode. Wow, that's how <laughs> they got out of control. Do like a, a barbershop quartet of it. Make a late show. Make a late show. I want to be the deep voice guy, like in Voice to Men. That means you got to like talk. Yeah. Oh, you remember on the coolie, the, what was it, Motown Philly? And he says, in all the Philly cheese steaks you can get next to. Oh, no, I don't remember. <laughs> that is, a, that is that's bars right there. But it was always like that guy, hey girl, I know you've been, do, do, do the talk and I'll do hey. like the. Oh, you the harmonizing in the back. Hey, 
I know you've been gone for a long time. For a long time. But I just want to say that I never felt you away from my heart. In my heart, girl. And when I think about these Philly cheese steaks. Philly cheese. Eating them at the Super Bowl. X, X, X. I'm thinking about one person. And you know her name is... Shaquana. Oh, he kicked me Shaquana. Oh, damn, you're going to get me caught up out here. Mega late. <laughs>